Hi, welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast, where every mom can find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. You'll hear interviews with all kinds of moms who are learning how to navigate motherhood. Most of all, you'll learn that you have a partner in motherhood, a loving Heavenly Father who wants you to succeed and is always there to help you in your most important work as a mother. And now, here's your host, my mom, Dara Trendler. Welcome to episode 35 of the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast. This is Darla, and I'm so glad that you're here today. I have an amazing interview that I can't wait to share with you. My interview is with Elizabeth Frazier, and she's the founder and owner of the company Hero Bands. And I found her because my daughter bought me a Hero Band for my birthday a couple of months ago. And what Hero Bands is, is they're leather bands that you wear, and they have a word on them. And... The one that my daughter bought me says strong, and I have loved it. I have worn it almost every day since she gave it to me. And so after I got the band for my daughter, I started looking into a little bit more about Hero Bands. And on their website, I read Elizabeth's story of her life growing up in a very toxic way, not a very happy childhood, although she didn't realize at the time just how abnormal her childhood was. And she's been able to come out of that and to have five children of her own and to value motherhood and to really give her children all the things that she didn't have when she was growing up. And so in the interview, we talk about that and about her experiences growing up and how she has been able to deal with her past and move forward and raise her children in a different way and love and happiness. And then why she started Hero Bands. It is an amazing thing that she's doing. She's making these bracelets with all different words on them to give hope to other people who are in hard situations. And that that's her whole goal. And she also has a mission to donate $2 of every product that she sells to Operation Underground Railroad, which I'm sure many of you are familiar with. They're an organization that helps children get out of sex trafficking and to change their lives and to move on from that. And so she donates money to them. And also you have the opportunity to go to her website and you can buy a band that will be given to those kids as they come out of those horrible situations that they can look down at that band and know that someone cares about them, that someone loves them and bought that band for them to give them hope and love. And what Elizabeth is doing is extraordinary. And I really love talking to her and hearing her story of how she's able to turn some really bad things in her life around to help others and to help her children to know how to, how to love and, and how to love themselves. So I'm really excited to share this interview with you. So without further ado, here's my interview with Elizabeth Frazier. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast. This is Darla, and I am so excited to have you here today. My guest today is Elizabeth Frazier, um, and you may know her from the business Hero Bands. We're going to talk a bit more about that with her today, but I want to welcome her and excited to share her story. So welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you, Darla. I'm excited to, to be here with you. Okay, so for anyone that doesn't know you or isn't familiar with you, will you just start by giving us an introduction about you and your family? What do you guys like to do for fun? What makes you unique? Sure. Um, my name is Elizabeth. I'm married to a man named Michael. We have five kids and we live in California. We've been here, let's see, almost, well, just 10 years. So we've been here 10 years and we love it. He doesn't love it as much as I do, but he knows I love it. So he's really good to stay here with me. <laughs> yeah, we like to do just about anything. We're a very normal cookie cutter family, I think. We love to sing and dance in the kitchen. 
when we're cooking or when we're just doing dishes or sweeping the floor, just kind of working. We try to make it, you know, silly and fun. Love to laugh. My kids, I've got four boys and a girl and they're just my life. Everything I do is kind of for them and yeah, that's us. Okay. That sounds great. Well, it sounds like a really great life and five kids, you've got your hands full, but it sounds like you're yeah. really in a mode where you really enjoy motherhood and yep, being there for with sure. them. Yep. And, and one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is really that your childhood that you experienced growing up was very different from what your children are experiencing. And you've shared that from the outside looking in, your, your childhood looked very charmed and that it was, you know, kind of this idyllic life. But what you were experiencing behind the scenes really wasn't ideal. So can you tell us a little bit about the circumstances that you grew up in? Yeah, and growing up, honestly, I didn't know it was that different. I mean, I didn't think about it a lot. I just thought, you know, this is what we do. And I was told, you know, you're so special. You can't tell people what's going on because if you do they won't understand and they're not going to love you and they're not going to want to be your friend anymore. And as a kid, you think, okay, well, I'm special. And I guess I don't want to make anybody else feel bad and not have them feel like they're not special. So I'm just going to keep what's going on to myself and not try to brag about it and not try to make anybody else feel bad that they're not as special as I am. So that's kind of how I grew up. I grew up thinking a little bit entitled and that, oh, I'm so wonderful. So I didn't even realize that it wasn't that normal growing up. It wasn't until I was honestly, in my late teenage years, maybe early even 20s, that I was like, okay, this this isn't right. I started doing a lot of self-harm and a lot of things that didn't bring me peace, and I didn't understand why I was doing it. I just knew I just had so much turmoil within just my soul that I didn't understand, that I think that's kind of what made me start realizing, okay, this isn't a normal upbringing. This isn't what my friends are experiencing. This is this is my own thing and it's not right and it's not okay. So I didn't even understand at the beginning that it was so abnormal. So what, what can you give us an idea of what was going on behind the scenes? Uh, yeah, it was very, um, I try to keep it G rated as much as I can. Cause I know moms listen in the car with their kids. Cause I do, but just a lot of abuse, um, from parents, from, I was trafficked by my parents to other men and sometimes women out in just the community. I don't know how they had these connections or exactly how that all unfolded, but I was given, you know, before I could drive, I was taken somewhere and told where to go. And I had been trained since I was, I mean, my earliest memories is four. I don't know if it happened before that, but I, I knew what to do. So I would just do what they asked me to do. And then when I was, a, you know, 16, 17 and could drive, I had my own car. And part of the conditions of that car is that I was at the appointments that I had and that they had made for me and I knew where to be and I could get myself there. So that was very normal in my, in my growing up every week, multiple times a week, sometimes a couple times a day. It was just a very normal thing in my life, like homework or like chores or things like that. So you grew up not really knowing that you were that much different than anybody mm -hmm. else. So was there, was there, you know, one defining moment where you figured it out? Did it happen over time? How did you come to know, okay, wait a minute, this isn't, this isn't exactly how things should be? Well, I knew I wasn't, nor I knew it wasn't normal because it was so embedded on me not to say anything, mm -hmm. but I thought it was a good thing. You know, I didn't understand it was because it was so bad. I wasn't supposed to say things. It's because it was so wonderful that, you know, that. So yeah. for me, honestly, my breaking point, I was a ending my junior year in high school and 
a friend of mine got killed in a car accident and I couldn't cope with it. She wasn't even at my high school. It's not, it's not somebody I saw every day, but I felt a connection to her and I couldn't handle her passing away. And my life just kind of started to snowball. And I think that was kind of the tipping point when I look back for sure that kind of set me on this. I'm spiraling and I can't stop kind of a thing. Okay. So, so this happens and you said that you, you went through some self-harm and depression and, and all of that. How long did that go on? And, and how were you able to kind of come out of that and, and see some hope? Oh, years, years and years. And honestly, it still peaks where I still think about doing self-harm because it's something that for so many years it worked. I would, you know, go in the garage and smash my face with a can of corn. And honestly, I would feel better. I don't know if it's because, you know, it wasn't attention because I hated leaving the house after and I hated anybody seeing that I, you know, was a complete disaster. But I, some kind of a release, some kind of adrenaline that was only damaging to me. It wasn't damaged. I mean, physically damaging to me. It wasn't, mm-hmm. my husband didn't, you know, it wasn't good for him, but, and, um, people that loved me, it wasn't good for them, but it, it physically only damaged me that it brought some kind of adrenaline that it did make me feel better for a long time. And so still, I think of that. I know it's not what I want to do. So I have learned to have a lot more self-control, um, which took years. And as far as the depression goes, it's, it's still something I struggle with on and off. Getting into therapy made the hugest difference. And finding a therapist that I connected with was so important. I went to probably 10 when we moved to California, because that's when I cut off my family, is when we moved to California. My husband and I felt like we were distant enough and safe enough to be able to make some boundaries. So we told them we'd call the police if we saw or heard from anybody. And I went to probably, you know, I went to a good dozen therapists before I found one that I'm like, okay, this one feels like I can share with and not, you know, and that can really help me with what I need to. So if anybody's thinking about therapy and you go and it just doesn't feel right, it might be that you just haven't found the right therapist yet because that took me some time to find the right one. And once I did, we worked really hard and I went twice a week for two hours each time. So I was in therapy four hours a week for a couple of years and worked hard and it was painful and it hurt so much. But at the end of the day, looking back, I wouldn't have, you know, not gone because I have a better life now than I would have ever imagined as a kid. So to go through and do the therapy is, is a really big, big step for me. Yeah. I think, and I think what you said about finding the right therapist, therapy, therapy is so good. You know, yeah. sometimes there's a stigma to that, but just, you know, you're worth it. You're, you're worth finding someone that can help you and making that a process that you go through till you do find someone that can help you. It sounds like that's what you're saying. Therapy is great, but were there, were there other things too that you, that you found that were giving you hope or helping you heal from all of the things that happened in your childhood? Sure. Of course. That was, I think, just the biggest step for me. And then mm-hmm. looking back, I see all these really little things. They were little to me. That I just kind of overlooked them, but now I'm like, okay, those are big deals. Like people ask how, you know, I have a relationship with God at all after everything I went through. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, because I saw him in a lot of the things looking back that he was there, you know? Yeah. And, and so I'm kind of funny with my relationship with God. And we, like, I talk to him out loud, like he's right here, you know? 
And I call him out on stuff and I'm like, I don't like that I'm going through this, you know, and I don't like that you could take this away right now and you're not. So will you please just tell me what I'm supposed to learn so that I don't feel so much pain, you know? And so we, and I do it lightly with him, but at the same time, I feel like it's really important for me to not have a super, because for me, prayer can be very triggering, you know, mm-hmm. um, and being very, this is how we do step by step by step by step is hard for me. So I've had to adjust my relationship with God. I still want him there. I still feel him close and I see him in everyday things, but I've, I've kind of changed him and his relationship with me to be more of like a best friend relationship than a, you are so much more powerful and, you know, which he is, but I try to keep it light so that I feel like I can turn to him when I need to. Cause if he's this big powerful thing and I don't feel like I can speak with him, that's hard to have a relationship with, you know, I don't know if that makes any sense. No, I think that makes total sense. And I think so many people, no matter what your past is, can relate to that because in the culture, in the church, we, we have a flip chart that we learn how to pray by, right? right? Right. And so we have this formula. And I think that kind of is damaging in a way. I mean, yeah. you know, when we're little, we need to have uh, some steps and some guidance. But right. as we get older, I think we need to learn that we can have a true relationship with him, like a friend. Right. Like right, even exactly. though he is this all supreme creator being, you know, that knows everything, he knows us individually and we can have that relationship with him. And I think you, what you said is so important for people to know is that, you know, throw out whatever you think the conventional wisdom is about prayer and just do what feels right to you and mm-hmm. and have a relationship in the way that, that is right for you. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what's worked for me. So Yeah. And I think I think a lot of people are frustrated by having a relationship with him. And if they, if they would could see that it's just, however it works for you, it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. Do it, do it how it works for you. And like yeah. you said, you know, you talk to him out loud and you kind of say, Hey, what's going on here? And you talk to him like a friend. If, yeah. If that works for you, I think that's fantastic. Let's throw everything else out the window and just, you know, be who we are to him. That's, and if it works to have the structure, that's great. I, absolutely. I'm glad you have that. You absolutely, know, it's, yeah. It's great I, yeah, that we all I, have different ways. Yeah. I, I think I think it just shows how much he loves us. That, yeah. That we can have those relationships with him. So one of the things that you told me when we were preparing for the interview was that you try to be kind to yourself because you really believe that your kids form a lot of how they see themselves from how they see you treat yourself. So yeah. how do you show kindness to yourself? And then how do you show your children that you love yourself. Oh gosh, I this is a very conscious effort I have to make every single day. Mm-hmm. I have a son that suffers already with depression and scares me because I see a lot of myself in him. And he'll say things about himself that hurt my heart so much. And then I see, you know what? I have said those things to myself. What if he's picking up on little things that I'm saying about myself that he looks at himself about now, you know, when he's very vulnerable to that because he does suffer with confidence and depression already. And he's only, you know, he's, he's not even 10 yet. So I have to make sure that I am watchful of what comes out of my mouth about, I, I don't talk badly about others. That's not hard for me, but talking badly about myself is hard. Mm -hmm. And I think God's up there looking at us like it's the same. 
talking badly about yourself is just as bad as, you know, talking badly about others because our soul feels it and our kids feel it and they yeah. see it. And so I have to make sure that I catch myself. And if I, if it comes out of my mouth before I catch myself, I need to make sure and explain myself through it out loud so that my kids hear me explain it out loud so that if they start thinking or saying things, they're able to catch themselves in it and apologize. I have to apologize to my kids and say, you know, I really don't feel myself that way. And I shouldn't have said that. I'm so sorry. I love myself and I am fantastic in this area and I have mm-hmm. to grow in this area. And that's okay. Cause we're all growing at different paces and different times. And that's how it's supposed to be. So acknowledge you need to grow and acknowledge that you're really fantastic too. Yeah. I think that's great. You're modeling for your kids you know, a really healthy relationship with yourself that you're not trying to be perfect because you know you're not going to be perfect, that you're acknowledging that you have areas that are not strengths and that you do have areas that are strengths and just helping them to see that. I I think, I think that's so important. I think that is so great. And, you know, any mother can take that and use it to help her children learn to love themselves by, by modeling that for themselves. One of the things that you also mentioned to me is that one of your biggest fears is not being able to protect your children. And that seems understandable because, you know, you didn't feel very protected looking back on your childhood. So how do you push that fear and that anxiety and the depression out and, you know, the fear you have for for your kids? How do you push it out and just find peace? Uh, It's always there. But I have to remind myself, I love my kids and I would do anything to protect them if I knew anything was going on. I would do anything to protect them. So I have to just constantly remind myself I'm not out to hurt them at all. So if something ever did happen, I would have to just know I will help them through it, you know, because you can't be with them all the time. You can't. And people are really good at pretending to be good people. You know, Mm -hmm. sometimes they are and sometimes they aren't. And it's really hard to know. So I just try to trust myself that I have taught my kids that if something happens to talk with me and my husband and we will be there for them. And, you know, I don't have other, I don't have control of other people. I don't have complete control of my children and I don't want complete control over my children. They need to experience and grow and build their lives as well. So I just have to know that I'm doing the very, very best that I can and let the rest go. And it's hard and it's hard, but I do my best. Yeah, I, I loved one of the things that you said was it's always there, and I think I think that's part of it. Just to acknowledge that, you know, these these anxieties, the fear, it's it's there, and just acknowledge it and say this is this is what it is. And but then when you acknowledge it, you're able to move on, yeah. And you're able to, you know, do you can push it aside, and you can, you know, show your children that that they can find peace and that they can have those things. Yeah. So I really I really admire you so much that you. You've taken this life that, you know, you weren't dealt the greatest cards in the beginning and you weren't, you didn't have this, this childhood that you would, you know, would hope for any child to have, but then you've taken that and you've turned it around and you've been able to build such a great life for your own children. And in addition to that, you started Hero Bands and I really, I really want to share the message of this. I received a Hero Band um, from my daughter for my birthday and it meant so much to me. Mine says strong and it meant a lot to me that my daughter would put that word on it for me. But Hero Bands is your way of giving back. And so I would just love for you to tell us, how did you come up with this idea? You know, what is Hero Bands? What is your mission behind it? Yeah, well, first, my husband and I joke all the time because people say, you know, if we could see other people's 
struggles and trials, we'd take ours back. And we always joke. I'm like, I wouldn't take mine back. I would leave them there, you know. <laughs> but now that I see how much I've grown from my hard experiences and knowing that, you know, I have grown in ways I couldn't have without those, I would probably have kept mine. And I keep, keep it because, you know, when I was going through everything, here's another thing that helped me is I would I found a lady at a craft show and she was selling bracelets that had inspiring words on them. And it's when I was in my lowest point and I'm like, you know what, I, I want to feel peace. And one said peace. So I'm like, I'm going to buy this and I'm going to wear it and remind myself that this is what I want. I want this. And I bought one that said strong and I was collecting all these bracelets. And my husband's like, okay, let's get your own tools so that you can make some however you want to design and whatever words you need so that you're not, you know, buying 500 bracelets because you need so many things because I do. <laughs> and so, you know, I collect them and I have this vase in my room. I have like three vases that just are stacked with all these bands that have different words. And I'd, I'd go to them in the mornings and be like, okay, this is what I have going on today. And look at my options and these are what I needed. So I'd wear a couple bands every single day. And I'd, you know, sit wherever I was and just rub them and remind myself, okay, I want peace. I want to feel strong. I want to be calm, whatever it was. And so um, I finally started feeling these things. And I just learned how powerful words are. And I would meet other women and they would share things with me that were so hard that were going on in their life. And I just kind of looked down as they were talking and I'd see my bands and they were ones that they needed more than I did at this point. So they were disgusting because I wore them so much, but I would take it off and give it to them. And they would, you know, call me or text me a few weeks later and tell me how much that helped them get through whatever they were dealing with. And it kind of hit me. This is how I'm going to help change the world. I always knew something would come up and I would write a book or I would, who knows what I was supposed to do, but nothing really settled until doing these bracelets and um, I named it Hero Bands after all the heroes in my life that kind of were there, these angels that got me through as a child and even still today. So everything fell into place for this company so quickly and so smoothly. Coming up with a name was so smooth. Coming, Finding somebody that could design a logo, so smooth. Getting you know, the leather, the, everything I needed um, happened so smooth. I can't deny that this is the start of what God wants me to do. And to bring awareness, I donate $2 of every item to an organization called Operation Underground Railroad. And they actually go in and rescue these kids like me. And I used to dream of seeing somebody burst through the door like these guys. And so knowing that they're out there doing that reminds me that there's good in the world. And we can be a part of it if we're not too afraid to share our lives with others and give them hope. So that's kind of why I started Hero Bands. I love that. I'm getting emotional because it's so great. One of my mentors always says that God can use anything to, yeah. to get his message out. He can use leather bracelets right. to heal you, to help you heal other people, to help you give hope to other people, to help you, you know, fund a great organization that's doing so much good. He can yeah. use anything. And he can, so he can use leather bracelets. Yeah, and here's the other thing I do for for that organization is I make bracelets at my cost for the kids they rescue and I'll put people's initials on them. So when these kids get them, they'll see the initials and know that there's like an actual person that took the time and their money to buy this just for them. 
And that makes them feel so special. I get stories from OUR about these kids that it's their only birthday present or, you know, that helped them have the courage to start their own business or different things. And it's such a small thing that can make such an impact. And I love that. It's always the little things that change the world. Yeah, it's so great that, you know, we can know that we buy one of your bands, that $2 is going to Operation Underground Railroad, but also that we can go buy a band and give hope to one of those right. children. I, right. I love that. Like, I want to shout that. Like, that is such <laughs> a great thing. It's such a great way, you know, yeah. and then have the initials on there and they can look down and know someone loves me. Yeah, someone exactly. Someone for me. Yeah, that, that I don't so even great. know. So I'm going to put all the information about Hero Bands in the show notes for the podcast so that people will know where they can find you and and where they can find out about that. I love that. And I love how God's God's guided you to that. Yeah. And helped you. It's really neat. So one final question that I always ask at the end is, how have you seen and felt God as your partner in motherhood? Oh, in motherhood. Gosh, my kids. Oh. Like I've said a million times, I never pictured my life as wonderful as it is now. And a lot of it is God and my children. It's all of that. And I see them in my kids when they say, <laughs> this is the worst day ever. And it's because I wouldn't give them five cookies in their lunch. You know, <laughs> I'm like, you think this is the worst day ever? I am doing my best, you know. And God has taught me how to be a good mother by following the examples I had in my life and being there for my kids and being what those women were in my life is how God taught me to be a good mother. So he's with me every day. I can't do this without him. I just can't. Yeah, he he is with all of us every day. That is That is such a great message. And to anyone out there who is struggling or to, you know, is going through something where they don't know if he's there, he's there and have faith in him and trust him and, you know, pray however you want to pray. He's there. He will be there. And I'm just so grateful that you would come and share part of your message. And I hope that I can get your mission out there and and help other people. So thank you so much, Elizabeth. I appreciate it. No, thank you, Darla. I appreciate you being willing to, to talk to me about it. I know you have a million things to do, and I'm grateful you took the time to listen to today's podcast. I hope the episode helped you to know God is your partner in motherhood. For show notes, head over to spirituallymindedmom.com. For more motherhood inspiration, follow along on Instagram, at spirituallymindedmom. And if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on iTunes. This helps more moms to find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. Have an amazing day, and remember, you are doing God's work, and you are doing it wonderfully well.